Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the latest edition of the Pump Fake. I'm Jarrett Bailey. That is my friend JP Acosta. Welcome in. It's always good to see you, buddy. How are you? I'm doing good. How about yourself? Um, you know, we were talking in the lobby. I shaved, so like I'm literally just like hiding behind my microphone right now, so people can't see my mouth. It is uh, it's a process to just be like, oh man, why did I why did I do this? So uh, hopefully by the end of Combine Week next week, it'll uh, it'll all be back. That's that's the goal, but um it's been a busy like quietly a few uh, busy few days um around the nfl specifically yesterday we saw you know certain teams make uh releases some guys getting tagged and uh the salary cap is going to be much higher than anticipated so that helps out a lot of teams um that you know we're trying to figure out you know penny pinching uh to say the very least now they get a little bit more leeway and a little bit of help when it comes to getting back under the salary cap but we'll start with a team who was just in the playoffs and then immediately eliminated and now having to make a lot of cuts to their roster and that's miami dolphins uh releasing ed rusher emmanuel ogba and cornerback Xavier howard um jp this is a team that ran through the regular season this past year um hit a few hiccups in terms of you know there, there were questions okay are they going to be able to win a big game are they going to be able to beat good teams they beat dallas um late in the year as kind of their quote-unquote signature win but once they get into the playoffs they travel to kansas city and it wasn't really much of a competition and now we're seeing them part ways with veteran defenders Vic fangio has also gone a defensive coordinator um a lot of expectations this past year they didn't live up to and now it appears that they could be oh obviously it's only february the new league year hasn't started yet but just from this perspective it could look like if there's a team that could step back in 2024, it's the Miami Dolphins. Well, I think both these moves were, were to be expected, especially after this season, especially going into the offseason. Um, Emmanuel Ogbo really just didn't play that much. I mean, after Jalen Phillips kind of broke out and after trading for Bradley Chubb, Emmanuel Ogbo kind of became a fish out of water. He really didn't fit the scheme or what the off, what defense changed to under Vic Fangio. He's more of a 4 3 end and then he kind of had to change to being an outside linebacker even Andrew Van Ginkle got more snaps in uh, Ogba and then with Howard like he just just got old you could tell that the age kind of caught up to him but I think this was kind of to be expected by the Dolphins because they have a lot of important free agents to try and re-sign they have Van Ginkle you got to try and re-sign Robert Hunt who played really really well you have, they have a lot of important things to get done on the docket this year, not to mention the Tua extension, which is going to push them back up against the wall because they've been operating without the threat of the rookie comp. They've been operating this year and for the past few years under the rookie co- rookie QB contract, and now they won't get that luxury. So now you're, ha- you're going to have to pay Tua. You're going to have to pay Jalen Phillips eventually. You're going to have to pay Jalen Waddle eventually. So these are just signings to try and help them get back into the black you know you gotta you gotta try and get yourself out of the red number 
area. And this was, this was kind of to be expected. Yeah. In terms of the two extension, I mean, is that something that you foresee them doing? Do you see, and what kind of money do you think that they're going to throw his way? Because you know, I think it's fair to say to a definitely, you know, not a bad quarterback, but not in that echelon of, you know, the elite guys of the league. So what's that number going to look like? So I think the first number that I thought of is the Geno Smith contract, which is three mm. years, 105 million. But I think he's going to get more than that. I think he's going to get more years. I think he's going to get more money because now you have he has the threat of, oh, I am close. I have two, two of the best, like two of like 10 best uh, Dolphins single season passing yard records. Like I have played my best football under Mike McDaniel. I've thrown for over 4,000 yards each season. And this offense works a lot better with me in it in, as opposed to a guy like Skylar Thompson or Mike White, who we saw run it last year, not to the same level of success. So he has that in his pocket. But the Dolphins can come back and say, yeah, well, it hasn't really led to much when it comes to playoff success and beating the, beating the better teams. So I really think they're going to settle around a midpoint that I guess if we're looking at pulling up, <laughs> pulling up how much uh, the top APY is for quarterbacks, um, you're probably going to see Tua land somewhere in, you know, I'll say the 25 to 25 to 30 mil a year range. Jared Goff is at 33 right now. Geno Smith is at 25. Tua is probably going to land somewhere in that range, 27, 28. Which I think is a good landing spot for him. And in terms of what Miami, you know, getting the best bang for their buck, that's probably where he should land. Um, and you brought it up, you know, eventually they're going to have to pay Jalen Waddle. They got to figure out what's going to happen with these other key free agents. Um, looking elsewhere in the AFC, the uh, Cincinnati Bengals tagging receiver T Higgins, which was an expected move. Uh, but still some people saying that this could be like a tag and trade scenario if they wanted it to be. I don't see them moving him. I don't either. I think their window is this year. Like this is the next year is the moment that like, yeah, you go try and win the Super Bowl this year because eventually you're going to have to pay Jamar. And yeah. of course, with tagging T, this feels like, oh, we're keeping the band together for one more year to try and see if we can make it all the way. And it really wouldn't make sense to trade off of T Higgins in the hopes that a guy like Brian Thomas or Keon Coleman can become T Higgins, which right. is cool. I think those guys are going to be very good players in the NFL, but when you're in the area where the Bengals are and Joe Burrow plays so much better with both T and Jamar, I don't, I don't see any reason for them to break them up. Yeah. And I think that this also kind of effectively like shuts the door on Tyler Boyd coming back. I, I just don't foresee that happening. I think he'll go get paid somewhere else, but even then, you know, they have a guy like Andre Aceves, they have Charlie Jones. If they wanted to go back to the well of getting, a slot receiver they can try to get somebody like a Ricky Purcell out of Florida in the draft. So like their options are still available and they still have guys on the roster that they can rely on. And that stepped up um, when, when guys were injured. So, um, and I don't think that they're done, man. You know, we've talked about it uh, on other shows. Like if they wanted to go out and get Derrick Henry, I mean, that's certainly a possibility it, that that's a squad. If you can, if, if you're going all in this year, and saying, all right, we're going to tag T. Let's go get you know another heavy hitter. Let's go get Derrick Henry then, and try to you know put it all together and win a ring this year. I could see that happening, and it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think they need to operate under. So T gets tagged. That's step one. 
Yeah. Who among the other free agents is going to get the other deal? So you have DJ Reader, who is a major part of that defense, but it's also coming off that quad injury. Coming off a torn quad. Jonah Williams, very young, but did not like playing right tackle. He he hated it. And you could tell when he played, he hated playing right tackle. Are you going to pay him right tackle money to play a position that he doesn't want to play? Right. I don't think so. Tyler Boyd's probably the odd man out here because you can't pay all the receivers. Uh, yeah. Chidobe Awuzie, very sneaky, important player in that Bengals secondary because he has experience and he's he's good for a Lou Anarumo defense. And then, of course, the Joe Mixon situation. I think Joe Mixon is going to end up getting cut anyway, but there's a lot of players on here that you have to address in terms of do we want to get younger here and try and let the defense kind of grow under that rookie contract or are you going to try and get younger offensively and try and say hey we're going to need to give the defense a boost because we got to keep playing Mahomes and Josh Allen and Lamar every year and by the way Cincinnati's still in a very comfortable spot they're 10th in the NFL in terms of cap room right now they have 52 million dollars to work with so it's not as if they're hurting for money right now like we said it's the years coming that it's going to be you know a little bit difficult to figure out right now i mean they're sitting in the driver's seat with money and if they want to bring back these guys they can um obviously with dj reader it depends on how comfortable they are with him coming off an injury like that um but when healthy i mean he's one of the best run stoppers in football and we've seen how important he is to that defense um but i think cincinnati's being a little bit overlooked you know i i saw that the uh the good morning football crew you know we're we're talking and you know we're talking about our five best teams going into you know the nfl draft and none of them put the Bengals on there but i i would say with a healthy joe burrow and with the weapons at his disposal and with the defense still quietly being very good i'm not sleeping on the Bengals, and i wouldn't be surprised whatsoever if we're sitting here a year from now talking about how they just won it all yeah, I think the biggest thing for the Bengals this upcoming year is that secondary has to has to speed up the youth yeah. the youth movement. I think last year they were both young and not good. You can't you can't be both. You can't mm. be both going there next year. You either have to be young or you have to be good, or you can be both young and good. I mean, the Chiefs just won a Super Bowl doing that, yeah. but they need that secondary to step up their level of play. And what happens with the offensive line, which also like sneakily not great again is going to be interesting and it's also one of the quieter things about the Bengals they need to figure out what to do in terms of like schematically offensively they are so they're still so siloed between gun and under center and I feel like kind of that falls on both Joe Burrow's calf injury and also Joe Burrow being much more comfortable working out of shotgun mm -hmm. so if he's healthy, then you're going to have to be like, hey, we can get to a lot more good things under center. We cannot run the ball out of shotgun. It's a lot harder to run the ball out of shotgun. You can only run like two concepts if you don't have a mobile quarterback that's like Lamar or Jalen Hurts or Anthony Richardson. They're going to have to figure that out in the offseason. But personnel-wise, they just need that secondary to kind of turn into shape. We'll stick with Super Bowl contenders in the AFC because the Bills currently have the fewest amount of cap room in the NFL. They're the furthest team in the hole right now at $41 million. Now, obviously, the cap being approximately $13 million more than expected definitely helps them out. Um, but they have guys in their own rights that they're kind of attached to this year. They're not getting out of the Von Miller deal. 
Um, so there's going to be conversations of, okay, do we let Jordan Poyer walk, which they very well might. Do we cut Mitch Morse, who will save a little bit over $8 million against the cap and try to get another center? Um, there's going to be conversations that need to be had. Um, that was obviously things that they can do. They can, you know, restructure the deal with Josh Allen to free up some money. They can do the same thing for, um, uh, they could do for Tyler Bass. They could do it for, um, at Oliver, they could do it for a bunch of different guys to free up a little bit of money and chip away at it. Um, but Buffalo, yeah, they're going to be there as long as they have that quarterback, but they need that. That's a team in terms of how they need to get better. That's a team that needs to draft better rather than add free agents better. They need to get younger. Yeah, they need. They need to absolutely hit on this first round pick. They need to hit on the first one. They need to hit on the second. This day two picks. They have to get younger at very critical positions on defense, including, including corner. I mean, Tre'Davious White coming off another season-ending injury. Rasul Douglas had a good year since being uh, traded yeah. to Buffalo, but he's also nearing the he's wrong 30. side. He's thirty. And then outside of that, I mean, Benford's fine. But that's a seventh round pick. Tyre Elam has not been what they what he wanted him to be. You're gonna need the, you're gonna need some corner help. You're gonna need some secondary help. And it's really just filling out that depth. The depth on the Bills has not been very good for the last few years. And so this is the draft they have to kind of address all of that. Yeah, and you know, you brought up Tredavious White. I mean, that's a guy he's played in 10 games over the past two years. I think that they just end up cutting him because I don't think there's going to be a team that's going to be lining up to trade for a guy who's dealt with a you know CVS receipt worth of injuries over the past couple of years, who's getting a little bit older himself. I think he ends up being a cap casualty. They'll be able to save some money on him, especially if they do it post-June 1. Um, so I think that he's gone. I like Benford and Douglas as the cornerback duo. They got Teron Johnson in the slot. Like they got I'm not so much worried about their cornerback depth as much as I am about their safety room now because Micah Hyde's probably gone. Like I said, Jordan Poyer's probably going to be gone. And then you start, have to have the conversation. Okay, do we just bring back a Taylor Rapp? Should we, you know, when should we draft a guy for that spot? Should we just you know, try to bring in somebody like a, a Cam Curl from Washington, a Terrell Edmonds from Tennessee, an Eddie Jackson? But can we afford it? Like, there's going to be options. It's just a matter of can they make the money work? Yeah, I think there are a lot of good options for the Bills, especially at safety. One of the names that I had written down is Jordan Whitehead from the New York Jets. Mm. Um, he has a lot of experience in the quarters coverage. He is a hammer against the run. So because of all the light boxes the Bills play, Jordan Whitehead can come off the roof and be that kind of extra defender in those light boxes against the run. He's really smart, really experienced, won a Super Bowl in Tampa. He would bring a lot to that safety room. Um, I think a very Bills signing would be Eddie Jackson, who mm. played who played good in his uh, last year in uh, Chicago, but he's also at 30. So it depends on what they're thinking. Can we re-sign Hyde and Poyer, who have experience in the defense, who are also on the wrong side of 30, other than Eddie Jackson, who has none of that experience, but might yeah. be a little better. So it really depends on where they want to go. They also got to figure out the edge rusher stuff too, because Epines is going to be a free agent. Obviously, like they're really going to have to rely on Von Miller to at least look somewhat like his former self. They got a lot of questions um, in Buffalo right now. Uh, looking elsewhere in terms of teams that are currently over the cap, Dallas right now three million over, Cleveland seven million over, the Broncos are thirteen million dollars over and expected to part ways with Russell Wilson. 
And there's now like rumors swirling like, hey, maybe they'll go for Kurt Cousins. I don't know how the hell they would be able to make that work with the money that would be tied up in Russell Wilson with him gone. Um, what are your thoughts on Denver right now? What's going to be next for them at quarterback? Is it going to be an early draft guy? Are they going to somehow try to make a push for a veteran? What's what's next for Denver? So I think Denver's in a really interesting spot at the quarterback position because I also think they might be going into 2024 without at least two of those three receivers. I think any combination of Sutton, Judy, and Tim Patrick are going to be off the roster by 2024. And honestly, I would say it's Sutton, not Sutton. Uh, I'd say it's Judy or Patrick because Carl Sutton played really, really well with Russell yeah. Wilson as quarterback. I think you want to keep that guy around, especially if you're going to bring in a young guy. Jerry Judy has been really hot and cold, and I don't feel like it's worth it kind of because you're so so much in the in the red. You got some somebody has to go. Mm. So I think Judy ends up being the one to leave. I ultimately think they go with a draft pick. I don't know if they have the I don't know if they have the cap space to get a just don't have the resources. Yeah, you don't you don't have the resource to get like a big name vet like maybe a Kirk Cousins. I think a guy like Jacoby Brissett would be really interesting there. I think Jameis Winston would be incredibly funny. Mm. Um, <laughs> but outside of that, I mean, the free agent QB class really isn't that good outside yeah. of Kirk and Russ. Um, maybe maybe you bring back Drew Locke. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But I think they're going to go in with a vet and a draft pick. I don't think that draft pick's going to be a 12, though. I don't either. Um, I w- it wouldn't necessarily surprise me if they just panicked and were like, all right, Bo Nix, sure. But um, the Jameis thing's interesting. I mean, obviously, they, him and Sean Payton have history. I think that that would be, um, at, at, the very sl- at the very least, it would be fun. Um, that that there's worse than you can do the Jameis. Yeah, if you're gonna be bad, be bad and fun. But yeah, I think if they if they do draft a guy early, they trade up to do it. I think mm. they don't sit and wait for the board to fall to them at twelve. If they want a guy like JJ McCarthy, then you go. You got to go trade up and draft him because I I don't. Well, think you think you think JJ McCarthy is going in the top ten? He absolutely is going in the top ten. Oh, good lord! I don't man. think he should, but I right. think he will. I think they're. I mean, look at the teams in the top 10 where you have Chicago's taking a quarterback, Washington's sure. taking a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think we're making a lot about New England being New England, but Gerard Mayo has said they're going to draft the most, they're going to draft the most valuable position and the most valuable spot. They're taking a quarterback at three. Yeah. After that, you think about Atlanta, who is really in the like the draft QB spot. You think about New York potentially. The Giants, not the Jets, uh, the Giants going after a, a QB to kind of reset their situation and let Daniel Jones walk after the upcoming year. You're going to have to trade up for a guy. If if it's McCarthy, you got to trade up to get him. He's not going to fall to 12. See, I think that the Giants could be a player, like a quiet player trying to get Justin Fields. I, I don't know if Justin Fields would be the pick there if you want him to sit behind Daniel Jones for a year. He's not that's sitting behind him. Daniel Jones. Come on now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't think he's sitting behind Daniel Jones for a year, but Daniel Jones is making a whole lot of money. You don't want to pay a guy a whole lot of money to sit on the bench. 
What would it cost if they were to to release him? I wonder. Hold on, we're gonna we're gonna do this math real quick. I'm gonna pull up Spotrack and see what the estimated cost would be. This is on the fly, on the fly stuff here. So if we go to the Giants roster builder and and see what his dead money would be, we'll be able to. You got it in front of you. Pre June first, according according to over the cap. Okay. It would be. 69 million. Jesus H. That's post, not great. Post June 1st, it goes down to 47 million. I mean, that's doable. What's their, hold on, let me see what their, where they are currently in terms of their cap. So, how much cap space do they have? They are, okay, they have 30, about $39 million in cap to work with. So, mm. that would be tricky. They would have to yeah. do a lot of, they have to do some re research. It feels like they might just be stuck with Daniel Jones, eh? I think they're stuck with Daniel Jones for the year. There's a there's an out at the end of next year where they yeah. can cut ties. They I were smart about when they resigned him. They were smart about giving themselves that out. Yeah, they, you just got to hold your water for this year. You draft a guy, maybe let him sit, let Daniel Jones kind of ride out that contract. And if you're bad again, just keep building the team, and then and, you let him go. Yeah, and in terms of like. I do think that it could just be a situation where him and Brian Day will go down together um, and they'll just clean house going into 2025, try to get a new quarterback, try to get a new head coach. Um, where Dable goes after that, I don't know. Maybe back to, to Buffalo if things don't go well. Who knows? I don't think that him and Sean McDermott would ever coexist again together. That's a problem. It, it, can anybody just really coexist with, with, with Brian Dable? I feel like that's an under-the-radar thing too because Wink Martindale got the hell out of there as soon as he could. Um, and it doesn't seem like, you know, if anybody read the Pat Leonard piece about the, just the inner turmoil with the giants coaching staff, that doesn't sound like a situation anybody is going to be lining up to walk into. Yeah. I think the day ball thing is nearing its end. Yeah. Especially if they bottom out again and the offense just cannot get up off of their feet, depending on what happens with that draft pick, it might, it might be wraps for Brian Dayball. Mm. All right, so let's get off the cap stuff and focus more on the free agents. Um, I asked you to pick you know, two or three guys that you think would be really good fits with certain teams. So I'll let you start because I have a few myself. Uh, a free agent that you think would be a really good fit with X team. Um, I'm going to start with the Washington Commanders, and I'm going to go with Bryce Huff. I think Bryce Huff fills a needed F element for a Dan Quinn defense and that speed off the edge. Bryce Huff is going to get a lot of money. I think he is one of the better designated pass rushers in the league, and he probably wants to get paid starter money. And I think Washington, with the amount of cap space that they have, and got a lot of money. Smith Williams as their pass rusher on the edge, you got to go add a speed element. And I think Bryce, Bryce Huff is that guy. So I also went defense for my first one, and I said Daniil Hunter to Atlanta. Um, I think that you add somebody, they need a predominant pass rusher. Defense was like quietly really solid last year. Uh, Jesse Bates played really well as another nice free agent addition that they made. Um, and for a team like that, who was near the bottom of the league in sacks, you add a Daniel Hunter. They add somebody in the draft, you know, in the second or third rounds to kind of mold under him or just add uh, for depth of the future. I think that adding someone like Daniel Hunter could really help their defense and it, Whatever quarterback's going to be there, whether it be Kirk, whether it be Fields, whether they draft a guy, have a really quality defense that they can lean on. 
And, you know, if they get a good quarterback and if the defense takes another step forward, I think that they win the NFC South running away next year. That's a really interesting name to put with uh, put with them. I really think that's a really interesting one. And I do think you you add Daniel Hunter to the Falcons, he immediately turns up that pass rush. Yeah, man. I, yeah. It make it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. But what whatever's gonna happen with Minnesota is gonna be really interesting to watch this off. They are quietly maybe the most fascinating team to watch because if they don't bring back Kirk, I know you think that they will, but let's just say, you know, in the scenario that they don't, then we're talking about okay, maybe they move up for a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, last year they were in on Anthony Richardson and wanted to trade up until they just didn't have enough. Right. I don't think there's an Anthony Richardson in this draft class, though. So if they want to trade up for J.J. McCarthy, good luck. But I think because this class isn't as impressive, I think you just roll with Kirk Cousins, who is who had the best year of his career before getting hurt yeah. in that offense. So I think you roll with Kirk, and that offense can very quickly be fun very soon. Let me see where Minnesota currently is in terms of money. If I can find this. So they currently have about $41 million in cap space. Um, how much of that will be tied up into Kirk? I don't know. I mean, if he wants a deal that gives him around $40 million a year, they can do a lot of that as a signing bonus and take that hit down to like, I think last year his hit was only 27, 28. So they could do something similar to that. Still have a little bit of money left over to try to bulk up the defense or whatever they decide to do. There's still moves to be made. Brian Flores did a tremendous job with that unit last year. Um, it still needs, you know, this wasn't a one-year project. It still needs, still needs work. Yeah, that the defense still needs talent. And uh, Daniel Hunter, Marcus Davenport, and DJ Wanham are all free agents. And DJ Wanham is coming off a season-ending injury. So yeah. that room has to be addressed somehow. All right. I will let you say your, your next guy. Um, we're sticking with the trend here. Going defense. And I'm going to go familiarity. Grover Stewart to the Chicago Bears. I Ooh. think this makes too much sense. The Bears have an immediate need at defensive tackle. Grover Stewart is has quietly been one of the best run defenders in the NFL and also has worked under also has worked really well under Matt Eberflus in Indianapolis. I think this is a very if Grover Stewart does not want to be an in Indy anymore, this is the perfect fit for him in Chicago where he can immediately be the one tech and you kind of can let Andrew Billings, who had a really fun year, mm -hmm. I'll say it was fun. He had a fun year. Be kind of the three technique and just kind of start teeing off on pass run, on opposing teams. All right, I'm going to go offense for this next one. And it's one that's kind of been floated around and people are paying attention to who's following who on social media because it's that time of year where that apparently means something. Uh, Saquon Barkley to Houston, man, would be so fun. So fun. Um, in terms of what Devin Singletary and Damian Pierce did last year. I think Saquon is obviously a step above those two guys. Um, putting him in an offense with CJ Stroud and Tank Dell and Nico Collins, Dalton Schultz at tight end. The offensive line for Houston, like when healthy, is quite good. Um, I, I would love this pairing. And I think that, you know, in terms of having Houston go from, you know, that really good wild card team that can win a playoff game but they still need something to go to that next level saquon barkley could be that guy they still need to get 
um, help on defense because Steven Nelson is a free agent at cornerback. They need somebody else to put opposite of Derek Stingley. They'd probably like to get another Ed Rusher. Is Jonathan Grenard a free agent this year? I feel like he is. He's a free agent. So they've got some holes to fill on that side of the ball. Still not perfect on defense, but man alive. Give me Saquon in that offense. I think it would be very similar you know, in terms of what he does for them to what CMC did for the 49ers in terms of just making them that much better. So I actually had a very fun Saquon fit that I don't think will happen, but this okay. team absolutely would make that uh, signing, and it is the Los Angeles Rams. Oh, I, man, I, you were in on them getting Jonathan Taylor last year, I remember. I think the Rams would be so much fun with Saquon Barkley. Kyron Williams is fun. He is yeah. a fine back. You add Saquon Barkley to that offense, you add an instant burst of electricity. You add a legitimate home run threat every time he touches the ball, and you can kind of live with Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua being the kind of the mid-range game yeah. and let Saquon be the home run threat. And you let Kyron Williams not be able to take as many hits. Ronnie Rivers is not it, and you can let him be the third back. But having a, a one-two punch of Saquon and Kyron Williams, incredibly fun. Do you think that Derrick Henry would work in Los Angeles? I potentially. I feel I like quietly that would be very cool. Because I think it would be cool. Yeah, I agree. I think the people linking Derrick Henry to Philly, Derrick Henry would not be good in Philly because Philly is not an under center team. Mm. Philly does not run the ball from under center. Derrick Henry is an under center running back. And I think where LA has kind of shifted Instead of being predominantly outside zone, which Derrick Henry is still very good at, they've gone to more gap runs and duo. They're running at you downhill. You know who's the best downhill runner in football? <laughs> a 6'3", 250-pound guy in Tennessee. That would be a lot of fun. I kind of want to see it just very like selfishly. like Give, give that offense some more punch. Mm-hmm. Like let, Let's see how far they can really go. And it's not as if Kyron Williams wouldn't get his carry still on that offense because we saw last year Tajay Spears in Tennessee became a more focal point for the Titans offense. Um, and it's not as if the Rams won't run some of those outside zone runs that Derrick Henry's very good at, but having a combination of both of those would be, I want to see it. I, I think that that would be very fun to watch. I know we talked about Cincinnati being an option as well for Derrick Henry. Um, wherever he goes, man, it's going to be a contender. It's not as if, I don't think he's going to be Someone, um, someone like what DeAndre Hawkins did going to Tennessee. Uh, I think wherever he goes, it's going to be, all right, get me a ring. Let, let's, let's ride this thing and try to get a ring. Um, and speaking of that, I think another good fit would be Tyler Boyd to Buffalo. Because the thing with the Bills is they were really good in 2020 and 2019 when they had a really good slot receiver in Cole Beasley. And they haven't really had that as of late. I know Khalil Shakir has come on as like the fun third guy, but I think you add somebody like a really good slot receiver in Tyler Boyd. You get somebody else to go on the outside, whether that be through the draft with someone like a Keon Coleman, a Troy Franklin, a Brian Thomas, depending on whomever they decide to, to make that guy put Tyler Boyd in the slot. You also have Dalton Kincaid. You have Shakir to use James cook out of the backfield. That's a good, that's a good core. I think that that would be good. I think it's interesting because I think, like you said, Boyd and Shakir kind of do the same thing in the slot. Mm. So I think the Bills should probably go for more of an outside receiver, essentially to kind of replace the Gabe Davis element of the offense. Of course, Gabe Davis is not exactly like consistent, but he gave them verticality 
to the offense. He gave them somebody explosive. I don't think Boyd is explosive. I think he also operates over that middle of the field area, that mid-range game, where I think Stephon Diggs' game has kind of grown too. So it feels kind of redundant to have those guys and Shakir and Dalton Kincaid all working those areas with nobody else to take the top off the defense. It's like putting a roster full of DeMar DeRozan's on the same <laughs> on the same court at the same time, which is cool in like theory, but there's no space. There's no floor spacing. Oh, the Bulls kind of did that. Yeah, and where did the Bulls go? Uh, I think that's where the Bills would end up with a guy like uh, Tyler Boyd in that. Just run nothing game. but stacks all game. Yeah, nothing free releases, play. stacks, and you're probably going to high low the hell out of every other team. I think exactly an underrated, and I don't think it'd be underrated because like it's like a true needle mover for the Bills, but DJ Chark would fill a need mm. in that offense which is the verticality portion i think they can draft a guy if they want to do that but chark didn't have the best year in carolina i don't think anybody had the best year in carolina no at his best he is a vertical threat in that offense he can kind of open up the field for the in-betweens i think hollywood brown would be a really good spot for buffalo that was a name that i was thinking of too yeah to kind of take the top off of the defense and kind of create that explosive ability while allowing Diggs and Shakir and Kincaid to kind of work those in-between areas. Do you think that Mike Evans goes back to Tampa Bay? Do you think he goes to Kansas City? If it's not either of those two teams, where could you see him going? I actually have a – I don't think it'll happen, but I want it to happen fit. Okay. I'm just like, let's light this candle. Mike Evans to the Detroit Lions. Oh. Active. So the reasoning here is – Amonra St. Brown's phenomenal. Amonra St. Brown is a slot receiver. The outside receivers have not been consistent enough for the Lions. They they don't have a a lot of of Josh Reynolds usage there. Yeah, a lot of Josh Reynolds, a lot of Jameson Williams. Jameson Williams is a good vertical threat. I don't think he is the outside receiver they need. Mike Evans would absolutely make that offense explode. You know, you have a guy where you can throw – the easy red zone options, the red zone uh, capability of a Lions team with that run game and Laporta and, and Amonra St. Brown and Mike Evans would be insane. And I think that would give Jared Goff kind of another easy button to work on the outside. And it would, again, would help free up those in-between areas. So you say you don't think it happens. Is what, what do you think is the one thing in the way of making it happen? Um, I think money. I think, of course, right now the Lions are, I believe, they got they got money. I think they got fifty six million dollars. But I also 65. think, I also think they're going to try and use that to kind of prepare for the upcoming Amon Ross St. Brown extension. Sure. I think Jared Goff might be up for an extension, which is going to be very very interesting. Let me see, just to make sure. Jared, I think Jared Goff is going to become up for an extension. Real, come here real quick, but. Gonna have to pay him. Panay Sewell's gonna get extended. Yeah. yeah, Jared Goff is a free agent in 2025. Well, that extension that. is happening this offseason, and that's what they're saving the money for. Mm. So they're gonna they're gonna have to extend Jared Goff. Uh Panay Sewell is gonna get a monster extension. 
they have they have their money is tied up in the quarterback, and I don't think Evans would go that route if he wants to go like chase a ring. But Fair. it would be fun in my head. What if it's like a uh, either like a one year deal or like a two year deal where it's front loaded that way Detroit can somewhat have their cake and eat it too. In, in that case, why not just go to the defending champs? <laughs> like, I guess so. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's a good point. Only two year deals. I'd much rather be catching passes from Patrick Mahomes. Val- valid point on all ends. Um, obviously, we'll have the entire offseason to uh, you know talk about what does end up happening. New gear kicking off in a little bit less than three weeks at this point. Um, but as JP and I always do, we're going to have a draft um, and it's going to be centered around Disney. We're going to draft Disney villains this time around. I don't think that's what we've done yet. I checked with you beforehand and I couldn't find anything about it. Yeah, so we haven't done killing. Disney villains. We haven't done okay. Disney villains. We've done soundtracks. We've done soundtracks. I think we've just done Disney movies like as, as yeah. a whole. Um, but the, this one will be good. So we'll start with Disney villains. And of course, I'll I'll let you go first here. Um, I'm going to go... I'm going to go chalk here with my first pick. I'm going to go Claude Frollo from Hunchback of Notre Dame. I think he is, he is the one of the best villains of in Disney history. He's just not a good person. I don't think there's like a likable <laughs> aspect of the character. Right. And then the Hellfire song acts so good. Phenomenal. So I'm going to take Frollo with my first pick. Okay. I'm going to go a little bit of chalk here too. I'm going to take Scar. Um, yeah. the Lion King. It's a easy pick. Um, killing his own brother, trying to banish his nephew, fighting with his nephew at the end. Just a great overall. I haven't watched Lion King in so long, man. I feel like that needs to be, especially like around this time of year, just kind of throw it on and appreciate that movie for what it is. Great movie. Phenomenal movie. Uh, Lion King 2 actually has a really good villain and a really good soundtrack. In betweens, nah, nah. But Zira is really good, and the soundtrack is really good. All right. Your second pick, then. My second pick is, again, very chalky. I'm going to go Maleficent. I That's mean, very good choice. Icon, he turns into a dragon, which is awesome. Pretty badass. So you, you got you to gotta have, if you're talking about Disney villains, Maleficent is one of the first people you got to name. All right. So for my first of all, I love Sleeping Beauty. I think it's tremendous and somehow underrated by a lot of people. Um, And I think that this next movie is violently underrated because it's one of my favorite Disney movies. So I am going to take Cruella de Vil. She's awesome. I love Cruella de Vil. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I didn't know know where you were going to go with your underrated movie, which frees up my next pick. But that's a really good one. Yeah, dude, I love 101 Dalmatians. I think that she's kind of like the quintessential villain where, you know, she's got the fur coat, the really like the the cigarette stick holder thing, which I always liked as a kid. And the movie's just awesome. Um, I By the way, I qualify uh, 101 Dalmatians as a Christmas movie. Uh, it takes place in the winter and Christmas is happening at the end. So I, that, I think that meets the criteria. Uh, yeah, Cruella de Vil rules. That's perfect pick. So my third round pick, I'm going to go with an underrated Disney movie. I'm going to go the other direction. I'm going to go Hades from Hercules. Oh, man. Yeah, that, that's a great that is, pick. That's the pick that I thought you were going to make there. That was like, that's oh, good. he did Hades? Bet. It, it, he's such a funny character. 
so such good. a funny character, but actually like a very good, very well-rounded character. Hercules is a great, is a good movie. The Talk soundtrack. about a movie with a really good soundtrack. Hercules soundtrack is awesome. Really good soundtrack. I think I'm going to tier list soundtracks in the off season again. There you go. But be on the lookout for that. But Hades is my third round pick. I feel really good about the value here. Oh, that's a really good pick. I I love Hercules. Hades is a great character. He's very funny. James Woods did a tremendous job playing him. Love, love Hercules. Uh, I'm down to two that I want to take with this next pick. And I think it's pretty safe. I'm also going to go with kind of like a funny villain. Um, so I'm going to take Captain Hook. Now, Captain Hook's hilarious. Ooh, ooh that's a good Just that's a, a classic. Yeah, classic. Af- afraid of the, uh, the, the, the crocodile that ate his hand. Every time he sees it, he freaks out and grabs me and tries to hide. He's just a very funny character, a very good villain, like a classic Disney villain. And um, yeah, just a lot of fond memories of watching Peter Pan as a kid. So. I will take Captain Hook as well. This is a third round pick, Captain Hook. Yeah, I think Captain Hook is one of the the classic Disney villains. Like when you yeah, think about yeah. when you have the, they have the shirts at Target with the Disney villains on them, Captain Hook is near the front. Like that's, <laughs> that's, that's the guy that you want to put. That's the guy you put on the t-shirt. That's a good um, shout. My fourth round pick, I actually have the t-shirt from Target. That's why I said I love it. My fourth round pick. Personally, my favorite Disney villain of all time, okay. Dr. Facilier from Princess and the Frog. <laughs> An incredibly cool villain. Friends on the other side, massively underrated villain song. He's got the voodoo. He's got the shadow behind him. The end, His death at the end terrified me as a kid. I was going to say, it's a pretty brutal death for uh, like a 2000s Disney movie. Yeah, it was like a 2010 movie, and he gets yeah. dragged into the underworld. Like, that's crazy. It's pretty brutal. Yeah, it's brutal. But Dr. Facilier, one of my favorites, my favorite Disney villain of all time. All right. So this one, he might be my favorite. Definitely my favorite male villain. Um, And he's got an incredible song. So I'm going to take Gaston from from Beauty and the Beast. Oh, dude. I love a really good one. The Gaston song is awesome. He's funny. Um. Till you know the enemy, you know, tries to kill kill the beast, obviously. But dude, a funny villain that's also like the perfect amount of douche. He's great. Just a perfect Disney villain. Good song, good movie. So big, big Gaston guy. Yeah, that's a, that's another good one. Um, yeah, again, another classic, another classic yes. villain. Like he is again on the t-shirt and on the t-shirt. Gaston, phenomenal, phenomenal villain song. Absolutely. So we got one more pick a piece. And depending on how this goes down, we might do some, you know, UDFAs. Um, but the floor is yours for your final. Oh, I'm struggling between three here for my life. I also have a few that I'm like, ah, I don't know. I'm really struggling because one of them is from one of my favorite Disney movies. The other two are kind of underrated. Okay. Um, ooh. I am going to go with Syndrome from oh, with my fifth pick. That is a good shout. All right. Well, I like just Syndrome. Incredible, incredible backstory for a yes. villain. Especially yes. Especially like a superhero villain. Like yeah. Growing up, idolizing the hero, and then the hero shows you that he's not really that much of a hero, so you become the villain to take out the hero. Very good. Uh, quite some underrated funny scenes. Underrated funny oh, scenes. Oh, a lot of really good funny scenes. 
when he freezes the Incredibles and he's like, oh, like he connects the dots. Like that's really funny. And I think he's just become such an ingrained part of like Disney villains that I have to pick him here at five. All right. So I think that there's one that I could take that's like more is definitely more. Um, how do I want to say it? He's been around longer. But the one I'm going to take, like, he's just too fun. Like, he's just a quintessential, like, just, oh, I hate him, but he's good. I'm going to take Chick Hicks. Dang it. That was going to be my UDFA. <laughs> that was one of my generational hater. Yes, absolutely. Just a great villain, a car with a mustache. Like, he just looks like just an absolute tool. He's so funny and so, yeah, like, uh, just an all time hater. Um, I just, big, big Chick Hicks guy. I remember a couple years ago, I made this, uh, I sent out this tweet that said, uh, the king is, is Peyton Manning, Lightning McQueen is Josh Allen, and Chick Hicks is Aaron Rodgers. And I just have <laughs> kept replaying that in my head every time Aaron Rodgers says something. And now I'm just like, that's Chick Hicks. Chick Hicks would absolutely do that. So that's my next switch outside of like being a great villain in all great time. Villain. Yes. The other one that the was you to hate the uh the other one that i was debating was jafar from aladdin jafar jafar yeah. great uh what what was another one that you were were kind of debating i was on? debating yzma from emperor's new groove okay um Callahan from big hero six one of my favorite disney movies um and then my other one that i was debating outside chick kicks was lotso from toy story three. Oh man that is a very good one i didn't think about that oh that's like, good evil like evil yeah little yes like, oh I, that's a I don't good know one. Why, why they made him so evil but like dang that's very good oh yeah no lots of oh man i forgot how good toy story 3 is it's so sad yeah like, it's yeah that movie that like oh this felt like the end instead they made toy story 4 which is fine but apparently toy making story the fifth one yeah, I saw they're making a fifth one. I have mixed feelings about it. Uh, yeah, I have mixed feelings about four. Four ended up fine, but mm -hmm. three felt like the perfect ending. I agree. Um, however, they do it. I'm, you know, I'm still going to watch it because all four movies so far have been really good. Um, but I think that was one of the more well-rounded drafts that we've had. Better than you know the Thanksgiving one where there was some internal conflict about what was it stuffing, stuffing, yeah, uh, mac and cheese. Mac and yeah, that was the big one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good stuff. Yeah. Uh, what can uh, what can everybody check out from you on SB Nation? So I just had my first big board of the year drop on SB Nation right before the combine. Uh, top fifty players of the two thousand twenty four NFL drafts. Spoiler: Marvin Harrison Jr. is number one. Uh, outside of that, just follow me on Twitter. See what I'm doing. See what I'm working on for the drafts. Got some pretty fun ideas coming down the pipeline for you. Also follow me on Threads. Uh, for me, I'll be in Indy for the Combine, so follow me on Twitter and threads to see all the videos from different pressers, different uh, stuff with coaches, GMs, and then all the prospects. Um, I'll be, I guess I can plug this now because it's like in the works. Uh, I'll be doing a feature on Jamari Thrash, the receiver from Louisville, one of the better receivers of this draft class. So that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, and that'll be coming in the coming weeks. So busy time ahead as we geared toward the NFL draft, geared toward the new league year and free agency. JP, my friend, it's always a pleasure. I'm sure I will see you on various shows and this one uh, as we as we gear towards it. Of course. You'll be seeing me potentially Monday, I guess. Maybe. I don't know. But yeah, you'll see me.
All right, guys. Appreciate y'all for tuning in to this edition of the Pump Fake. We'll see you soon. And yeah, it should be next week from Indy. After I get back, we'll do the uh, the next show. So appreciate y'all for tuning in. See you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.